This morning, Pastor Bob is on uh, vacation, and so his son Andrew is here to join us as he's uh, going through seminary, and it's going to be a pretty awesome experience for us. So, uh, Andrew, if you'd lead us in prayer. Absolutely. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we prepare this morning. Merciful God, you are a great and an awesome God, full of majesty and wonders. We come before you this morning and thankful for the opportunity to gather as your people to hear your word proclaimed, to come together and sing in fellowship, to hear our voices raised together as a community, as a church family. We ask in this day that you would open our ears and our hearts to what you have to say in this, your day. We give you thanks and praise for a chance now to be with your people and with your word. Please come and be present with us now. It's in your name, Jesus Christ, that we pray, we trust, and we hold confidence in your name. Amen. Please go ahead and take a seat. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. As Dan said, I'm I'm honored to be here. I'm uh, stepping in for Pastor Bob. He's away right now. Hopefully he is uh, tuning in via our live web stream. He's sitting in some cafe somewhere drinking a cup of coffee and loving where he is right now. And so we say thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to to be before you. I'm really appreciative of a chance to be before you. This is my church home. This is my church family. You are my church family, and for that I give you thanks. Uh, Some of you may not have seen me much in the past couple of years. The reason is because I have been busy uh, preparing, preparing for exactly this, preparing for the ministry that I feel God has laid on my life, the, the, the ministry of pastoral preaching and care and so forth. And so I am studying at Luther Seminary, uh, and I will warn you, I've had uh, one preaching class so far. That's my caveat. So visitors, welcome. I am thrilled that you are here. Please come back next week and hear Pastor Bob speak. Before you, before you write us off or whatnot, just saying. We've had one class so far, but uh, I trust. I trust that it is actually not going to be me who's speaking this morning, but in fact, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus the Christ, who is risen, who is moving and alive this day, and I pray that he would be upon my lips this morning. Today, our topic, our, our conversation that I'd like to engage you with is one concerning stories. Stories. So... We have to be upfront, though, about when we hear the word story, right? When you think of stories, typically it's it's very common for our mind to move very quickly to consider stories, fantasy, stories, uh, embellished tales, exaggerations, right? Stories. You think of stories, sitting around, telling a story, getting lots of laughs, enjoying yourselves, recounting events in your life or in other people's lives that are very uh, embellished and even so much so that they become like a fantasy, right? We can see stories that are about Prince Charming, right? We see that in stories in our movies. These are all sorts of different stories that we have. This morning, I'm going to start up front. I'm going to part the waters and say this morning, the type of story that I would like to talk to you about is your own personal story. The way we're going to use the word story this morning is concerning experiences. Experiences and events that have taken place in your life, in my life, in the lives of those around us. That's how we're going to use the word story this morning. is an understanding of historical events or um, decisions that you and I have made which we have navigated ourselves through Creating a story. 
right? We all, in fact, have a story, our life story, if you will. So can everyone say, I have a story? Very good. You have a story. Did you know that? You, in fact, have a story. In fact, I will go so far as to say that everything has a story. Now, come on. You know this. You actually know this. You do this. Think of your family heirloom, right? Some families have like a family heirloom, something that's prized, something that you love, you enjoy, that's been passed down from generation to generation. Great, 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 great grandmother's ring. Oh, that... That has a story, right? That has a story. Or how about the rocking chair? Oh, you know the rocking chair. Handed down, third, fourth generation. It has a rich story to it, right? And so we see that not only people have stories. We, you and I, have a story. But in fact, things or things can, can actually have a story, right? We as Christians, those of you who ascribe to Christianity this morning, it makes rational sense then to say, well, God has a story. In the same way that you and I have a story, we as Christians profess and believe that God has a story. Colin, make sense? If you and I have a personal story, a set of, of, of circumstances and decisions and events in our life that we have navigated ourselves through, and it comprises our story in the same way we believe as Christians that God himself has a story. Fortunately, we serve such a good and great God that he's, he's told us the story. Like He wants to tell you his story. He, he is intent about communicating his story to you. Remember, uh, I was just talking about family heirlooms before. How many have a family heirloom of a big Bible sitting somewhere? Maybe collecting a lot of dust, and you know, maybe it's over there somewhere. It's a family heirloom. It's been passed down, right? Great, great grandparents got their names in it, right? This is, in fact, what we as Christians ascribe to be God's story. In the pages of this word, this book, we ascribe God's story to be told to us. Right From genera- gen- uh, Genesis to Revelation, we ascribe that God's story is found here in God's word. We call it God's word. And that we can see the beginning of the story in creation, right? We ascribe to that. And then we may not have the details. We may be fuzzy on some things. We may disagree on some things. But in fact, we as Christians believe that there was a beginning of a story. right? And then we can follow the way through, all the way to Revelation, the incredible thing about believing that this is God's story, knowing in your heart and feeling the convictions that that is a true thing, pursuing it if you're unsure, We have the end of the story. That is unique. Don't you always want to go to the end? Come on, how many of us were in eighth grade English class and you got the book, right, that you're supposed to read? And what do you do? (laughs) Straight to the back. Straight to the back. And you read that, right? In fact, God is so good to us. He is so gracious to us that he's given the fullness of his story so that we have it, including the end, which is yet 
to come. Yet to come. We yet to come is that end. And yet we take thanksgiving in the fact that God has given us this story. I have a story. You have a story. God has a story. Can everyone say, I have a story? God has a story. Right, we can see this to be true. We, we ascribe to this as Christians in our beliefs. Now, the Bible is, is comprised of all sorts of stories. We, we, we know that. We see that, right? All sorts of heroes and villains and bad guys and epic battles and all sorts of great, incredible events, right? Great, incredible events. What I'm going to tell you this morning, what I truly believe, what I hold as a conviction in my heart, is that your story is located within God's own story. Your story is located, is found within God's own story. You are a participant in God's own story. You can be located in God's own story. Can I be vulnerable with you this morning? Can I be... Honest, I believe that is a good and right thing for pastors to be honest and open and vulnerable. So here's my moment of vulnerability with you this morning. Um, there's a book in the back of the Bible called First Timothy. Uh, it's a letter, right? It's a letter written to a gentleman named Timothy. It was written by another prominent, great Christian hero, Paul, right? Paul. Those of you who have, who have dabbled in the Bible and checked it out, you know that Paul is a great Christian hero. Right? And then you have Timothy. Timothy is Paul's sidekick. He's his buddy. He studies under him. He travels with him. Timothy loves Paul. He's spent time learning, gleaning, traveling, understanding Paul. Right? That's Timothy. So Paul is writing a letter to Timothy. It's called First and Second Timothy. There's two letters. The first one is the one that I'm going to reference this morning. Paul writes a letter to Timothy because Paul has left Timothy. Let me frame it for you this way. <clears throat> the senior pastor, Paul, has left young would-be pastor, Timothy, in charge while... Paul is away. Paul entrusts his beloved congregation, which he has nourished, which he has poured his soul and his heart into, and looked at Timothy and said, Timothy, okay, man, you've been studying under me. You've been learning from me. You know me. You know what to do. You know the gig. It's, it's your turn. It's your turn. I'm thinking Timothy was, uh, you know, a little intimidated maybe. In fact, I bet I can tell you exactly how Timothy felt. I, bear with me, bear with me. <clears throat> yeah, I can tell you exactly how Timothy felt. He felt nervous. He felt intimidated. He felt like, oh, you mean I, it's time? 
I know it's been coming, but sure, Paul, are you sure it's time? Paul is so good. Paul is, he knows the heart of Timothy. And he writes Timothy to encourage him, to build him up, to edify him, to encourage his heart as he faces what's in front of him. Listen to these words. These are the things that you must insist on and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in your speech, in your conduct, in love, faith, and in purity. Until I arrive, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhorting, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is given in you, which you have received through prophecy, by the laying on of hands, by the counsel of elders. Put these things into practice. Devote yourself to them so they may all see your progress. Pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. Continue in these things, for in doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. (laughs) That is my story right now. Right now, that is my story. In preparing for this sermon, sat down... Okay, I think I, you know, I think I know what I'm going to say. I have an idea. But man, God, I just really, what do I do? I located myself in God's own story by opening up to 1 Timothy and reading it. Reading those same words. Hearing, God has given you a gift. Use it. You know the gospel. Share it. You have the tools that you need. It's okay. Take a deep breath. My story, my very own story of right now, standing before you, is located, is found right here. I stand before you and I can say that I am located, found, and confident that I am in fact in God's story. And so that's our first takeaway. The first takeaway, remember this, please, I beg you. You have a story. And in the same way that my story can be found in Scripture, so too can yours. So too can yours. Pastor Bob just finished a sermon series on marriage. Family. It was great. Look it up online if you didn't get a chance to hear it. How many lives were touched and moved by that? How many people found themselves and their story located within the scriptures that Pastor Bob was speaking about? How many of us were able to say, man, shucks, yep, stuck me right there this morning. That's my story. What I'm struggling with, he is speaking to. I am located in that place. My marriage, my parenting, my relationships, between myself, my spouse, my children. Right? We can locate ourselves within God's scripture and story. We can feel that. We can know that. And you say, Andrew, you know what? I'm not Timothy. I may have a Bible name. I'm not a Bible hero guy or girl. I'm just, you know what? And besides, the professor that I talked to in college proved the Bible has inconsistencies. It's wrong. It's... Hey, this, that, whatnot. I just, I'm not quite buying it. 
You're telling me that I have, in fact, a story and that that story can be found in Scripture? I'm not so sure. I mean, even if you found something, you know, does it mean anything? Does it change anything? Does it change my story? Um, yeah. I think it does. I believe that it does. I'll share a story with you. Um, friend, friend of mine, dear friend of mine, pastor, took a call to a camp. Um, he was going to be director of a camp. He's so excited. It's his first major job, right? First three months in. First three months at a camp meant for youth and excitement. There was a wildfire. Three quarters of the buildings for the camp burned to the ground. So the pastor, with, with tears, I mean, weeping, the pastor comes before God and says, God, I feel so lost. I feel overwhelmed. Where am I? Where are you? What do I do? I can see in front of me the, the trials. I can see in front of me the, the pain. I can see in front of me so much. And I feel so overwhelmed. Have you ever been in a place where you feel lost? Overwhelmed? Have you lost a loved one? Has something in your life been ripped up, ripped apart? Struggling financially? Struggles with work? Struggles with your spouse? Struggles with your children? Struggles with your hopes and your dreams? And you say, God, I'm lost. <laughs> God, I'm lost. The pastor took out his Bible. He was a wise man. Took out his Bible, opened it up and said, Okay, who in the Bible's built anything? An ark. No, no, don't need to worry about an ark. A building. I need to build a building. Building Nehemiah. There's a prophet in the Old Testament who rebuilt the city of Jerusalem after it had been destroyed. This pastor went to Nehemiah, read Nehemiah's story and he began to see that his story was located in the same place first there were naysayers people who came forward and said eh, I, mm, you got this problem you got this problem you sure like I don't think you can even do this same with Nehemiah and then the government came in and said okay we got to be up to code on this 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 and this here you go same with Nehemiah. Well, the pastor caught on and said, Oh, wow, this is my story. Nehemiah gathered the merchants and the craftsmen and the artisans and the volunteers, got them together and started working on the wall. The pastor said, Got it. I need to find some volunteers, craftsmen, artisans, merchants. And that's what he did. Nehemiah had to raise funds. He had to raise the money. He had to figure out how he's going to pay for all this new city. Pastor said, oh, okay, I guess I'm raising funds, aren't I? 
right? The pastor located himself. This man who was broken and in trouble found himself and his story in Scripture, in God's own story. And it made a difference. It made a difference for this man as he began to take hope and courage in his location within God's story. And you say, okay, fine, maybe I have a story, maybe it's in there. My life's going fine, I guess, but I still not, I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure. That's okay. That is okay. But I bet I can still find you. I bet I can still find you and me at any given time. Why? God is so good. God put in the Bible a Cliff Notes version. Can you believe it? There's Cliff Notes in the Bible. If you go to Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 6, we're going to look at it. Chapter 53, verse 6, there it is up there on the screens for you. This is the Cliff Notes version of the entire story, God's whole story, summarized in this nice little verse. Isn't that convenient for us? So let's look at it. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. I believe that your story and my story can be found right there. Let's take the first part. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Stop. I guess I've done that. (laughs) All of us like sheep have gone astray. Okay, let's talk about independence, making our own choices, paving our own path, right? Doing something different, right? Making our own way in the world, if you will. Each of us has turned to his own way. I've done that. I've faced a situation and I have made decisions. The responsibility of those decisions lays on me. I have at some point in time in my life made decisions that comprise my story. Some good, some not so good, right? We've done that. Haven't we all done that? But here it gets a little more clear for us. The Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. What is that word, iniquity? Let me summarize it for you very quickly. Iniquity is anything that we feel that sticky thing called guilt after. Iniquity are those decisions, those turning to our own ways, where afterwards we look at ourselves and we say, Oops, shouldn't have done that. Oops, I should not have made that decision. I wish I could go back in time and change that. I wish that I could have made a different decision. Oops. That, that is what iniquity is. For us as Christians, those of us who are Christians, we ascribe to the full verse 
Um, those of you who are just checking things out with Christianity, who are new to this idea, I would say that we could all pretty confidently say the first portion applies to us, right? That we've made decisions, and some of those decisions are oops decisions. We as Christians, those of you who are Christian, will follow through the rest of the story. We ascribe to the rest of the verse, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of all of us to fall on him. I'm locating you in the gospel story. We as Christians believe that the Lord has taken that same iniquity, that same oops, that same guilt, that same frustration that we have And he's taken that and he's laid it upon one person, his own son, Jesus Christ, in the event of the cross. We as Christians ascribe to that. We believe that. And we believe in that moment, in that story. Changes ours, doesn't it? Doesn't that reality, if we believe this, if we ascribe to this, that God has forgiven the iniquity by redirecting it and allowing it to fall on Christ, that changes our story. That introduces a whole new part to our story. The end of our story is no longer an end. It's not an end. It's a whole new beginning. The story itself is a new beginning for us. And so we hold to this belief, we hold to this conviction that Christ has taken that iniquity, that our story is located in him, in his story, in the event of the cross. We believe that. We confess that. As a result of being located there, our story is different. It's so different now. When you find the freedom to say, I am forgiven, I am forgiven, we find ourselves completely transformed. I don't even need to give you examples because the examples are sitting around you. We're going to have an opportunity afterwards to talk, to have treats, to have fellowship, coffee. Take a chance. Talk to someone new. Find out their story and see, I dare you, I dare you to see if their story has been changed by locating themselves in the gospel story. I exhort you as we conclude, as we wrap up, as we think of all of these thoughts and stories and our own stories, take some time. Find your own story. Find it in Scripture. As you go about your week, as you look at your co-workers and your work environment. I bet the same pressures, the same situations that you find, good, the celebrations and the difficulties can be found in Scripture, can be located in Scripture, and they have something to speak to you. In your marriages, if it's struggling, if it's celebratory, if you're preparing, if you're mourning, I believe that in God's story, your story is found. Parenting, 
Young ones, young children, pressures, school. I can find your story. Your story matters so much to God. It matters so much to God that he put it in his own story. You are found and located there. Can everyone please say, I have a story. In God's story. Wonderful. Please take that away with you as you go about your week. If you think about it, and as you're confessing and thinking and praying and moving about your week, I ask you to meditate on the idea that knowing God's story, your place in His story, changes, makes the difference in your own story. Meditate on that. Think on that. And see how that applies in your everyday. With that, let's bow our heads in prayer and ask God to be a part of that experience, that transformation. Let's invite him into our days and our weeks and ask him to be more and more part of our story. Merciful God, you are a good and great God who has given us your story. A story of redemption, of forgiveness, a story of love and compassion, a story of grace We are thankful that you have given us this story and we are thankful that we can be found in it. We are thankful that we in our own stories can be located within your own story. You so cherish and care about us that you would include us in your own story. I pray and ask that as we go about our week that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our mouths to hear to know and see, to tell your story and how it changes our lives. I ask and invite you to please come into our lives in the many ways in which you can and promise to do, to move us to read more of your story, to know it better, more fully, that we might take comfort and strengthen it as we face the difficulties, the trials, as we celebrate and have cause for thanksgiving. We thank you for your story and we thank you for our own stories. It is through your holy name, it is through the power of your spirit that we ask and pray all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.